Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. Hello and welcome to The Jarek Show. I am Javad Malik and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Eric Krohn, who looks to be in a basement or squash between two pillars or something. Yes, yes. We had uh, we had a very interesting th- thing happen. We had fiber cut near our house, took out about 12, 1,500 homes. And so I had to come into the office to record. And um, I'm in the room that we affectionately call the cave or the bat cave, right? Even the phone is labeled the cave. So used to be an IT closet. They put up some sound deadening material around us. And now that we can record the uh, the webinars from here. So at least I have a place to go, right? Uh, continuity of operations. Lesson in that. <laughs> I, I just think it's amazing how you can take the worst room closet in the whole office, just call it something cool like the cave, and Eric's like, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, I've, I've done a lot of webinars from this room. Um, the, the one thing it has going for it is it's kind of quiet. It's in the middle of the, the office, so we don't hear the train go by and stuff. Hey, you take what you can get, right? You do. You do indeed. And uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, please like and subscribe and share. And if you're listening to us on or watching us on YouTube, please like, share and subscribe. Uh, you can find us on all the all, all your regular channels under The Jerick Show. I, I, I just had to say that I'm not really a marketing person, but Eric every week slaps me uh, off, off, off camera saying, like, you didn't promote it enough. Uh, so we're, we're going to do that. Anyway, moving on to the stories of the week. Critical bugs found in popular Realtek Wi-Fi module for embedded devices. I understand each of those words individually, but as a sentence, Eric, please explain. Okay, so when it comes to, especially like IoT devices, um, there are certain um, chips and chipsets that are integrated into these things to offer features. So this Realtek Wi-Fi module is is a pretty popular one, I think, for giving the Wi-Fi access to things. All right, so I do a lot um, at home with like IoT devices. I build my own sensors, things like that. I use a ESP 8266s, ESP 32s, all that kind of good stuff, and they all have embedded Wi-Fi. So here's the problem. You have something like this that's widely used across a bunch of IoT devices. And now um, there's been a vulnerability found where basically the people can get root on the device and and look at all the uh, the network traffic and stuff according to this. So what it brings up to me is the thought that, um, you know, we've talked about it before. When it comes to purchasing IoT devices, things like the cameras and stuff like that, Consumers these days pretty much do it on a uh, financial basis. So you have one that's $18.99 and you have one that's $19.99. So they go for the $18.99 one. But the $18.99 one may never provide patches for something like this, where for the dollar more extra, you may be with a more reputable organization that will be able to go back and patch for things like this. And this is a real problem in the IoT world. We've seen it in routers. We've seen it in, in all the cheap devices like that, where... Essentially, they put out this device, they dump it on the market, they move on, and there are no patches available. That's why I kind of wanted to bring this up. It's something to think about and to make sure that people are considering when they're purchasing devices. Yeah, I, th- I think it's something that if you're IT savvy or concerned about security, it's something you will consider. Uh, it's, it's something that becomes a very difficult sell for the average person, especially when they don't know what questions to ask. 
or what to look out for. And, uh, you know, there are questions like, how long is this product going to be supported by the manufacturer by? Can I update this, uh, the firmware on here? Uh, am I even able to change the root password? Uh, people don't care because the marketing says, hey, plug it into your Wi-Fi and all of a sudden uh, magic appears. So um, I think it's it's a difficult one. We, we absolutely need to educate consumers. We need to have them asking the right questions. But I think it's one of those areas that is definitely more an upstream thing. We need to go to the manufacturers of these devices and say, hey, I know you're a 12 year old kid in China just putting together these pieces, but please um, think about security. So um, it's it's definitely something that we need to go two ways in. Yeah, you know, I think if we're buying stuff from China and Russia, they're really concerned about our security. They are, they are. <laughs> so uh, this is uh, one of our staple topics. We, we should, if we just called this the ransomware, so, <laughs> I think it would still be appropriate because every week we seem to cover at least one, at least one story related to ransomware. But I suppose that's what makes the the cyber world go around these days. Uh, so we 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 saw this story. Uh, you kind of shared this with me. Uh, a rise in ransomware attacks mistakenly causing data destruction. So is it a real mistake that they they this? It's like someone said, let's push out the ransomware, and someone accidentally sent out the data wiper instead. Is is it one of those mistakes, or is it something else? No, um, you know what they're talking about here is uh, the prolification of ransomware groups and poor coders, right? And so they're kind of screwing up. And you know the thought is that these mistakes are what's causing basically the wiping of the data. Now we have seen some things in the past, like NotPetya was a strain that was put out there. There was really no way to decrypt that. Uh, it was basically a data wiping software that kind of like, hey, if you want to send us money on top of it, great, you know? Uh, but it was really designed to wipe data. It was designed to be destructive. Um, this article is basically saying they think it's more of a, a coding error again with new people on the scene and they're screwing up and basically wiping the devices. Um, does that help us in the long run? I don't really know because, you know, if you can't restore from backups, you're, you're really stuck here when this goes down. And we do see plenty of organizations still paying the ransoms, which is heartbreaking to me. Um, but yeah, this this is this is something that I expect we'll see more of as as it becomes more popular and more people are getting into it. Yeah, I think I think this is one of those questions. Do you want to be attacked by a competent criminal organization or a bunch of incompetent criminals? Because uh, with incompetent criminals, uh, the the likelihood of getting shot is is a lot higher because they they get nervous themselves, they bungle stuff, and I suppose this is the digital equivalent. So rather than having a clean business like transaction, for lack of, lack of a better term, with a with a proper outfit, at least you know you're you're going to get a decryptor and uh, get some of your data back at least. So it used to be that in ransomware, a lot of times they would show basically a proof of the ability to decrypt. Um, you know, you send them a couple of files, they would decrypt it and go, look, here, we can do that. Now, I really haven't seen stories on that very much lately. It seems like uh, that's kind of a, a gone by sort of deal that people just now assume that it can be decrypted. But, you know, I always say this, when it comes to ransomware and the encryption process, the idea is always to do it as fast as possible. Get as many files as fast as possible, where 
when we encrypt things for real reasons, um, we tend to, you know, check CRC. We tend to do checks to make sure that it happened properly. Ransomware, it's just a matter of getting as much done. And so we see a lot of files already that are, uh, you know, that are destroyed or or corrupted and things like that. So this is just taking a, a step further, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Although I have to say, the while while I agree, that's what ransomware historically has always done is try to hit as many files as quickly as possible. We are seeing some of the newer, more more, more sophisticated groups uh, take their time. So when they get in and they have time to scout out the network, they they are actually becoming more selective in the types of files they, they, are, attack, they are encrypting so that it's more efficient from their point of view and they can potentially extort more money from the organization because they've kind of figured out these are the crown jewels, let's encrypt those and, and, and move on. Yeah, and these attackers these days are really good. They are getting into systems, they're making persistence, and uh, you know, I, I believe you have a story on that uh, also as well, yes? I do, I do. But before we move on to that story, I think last week when we had Adrian on the show, and there was a, an ad that caught our eye. And today, this ad caught my eye. And I just wanted to scroll back up the screen. Incredible, 39-pound miniature monocular is taking the UK by storm. Wow. What is is it taking it by storm? <laughs> well, you know, it's there are lots of things taking the UK by storm. And I'm not up to date with all the things taken. But what is that for? Is that just like a, a, a telescope? But, but not okay. With one. So we're going to dissect English here real quick. You know, binocular is two, monocular is one. Okay, okay. So it's not. So what's the difference between a monocular and a telescope? Um, this you're holding in your hand. It's not mounted. Basically, it's probably not as strong a power. <laughs> I'll go with that, man. If you, well, for thirty nine pounds, I can buy it and I can give you feedback, Eric. So just just let me know. If you go to the opera, you could definitely use that right <laughs> no that for the opera you I, I when i was young i had this pair of glasses it's like it was like a little folding case like a little pencil you pressed it and it popped open like a triangle with like the two small holes on one end and the, and the little stick yeah no no it didn't have the stick it was just like you, you held them like that and it had like a little adjusting knob anyway we digress <laughs> we digress um <laughs> so <laughs> this another headline that's a bit of a mouthful ransomware a company paid millions to get their data back, but forgot to do one thing. So the hackers came back again. <laughs> Before we get too far into this, I want to point out what an awesome clickbait title this is, <laughs> but forgot to do one thing, right? So there's psychology behind this, right? We talk about clickbait and social engineering and stuff that this is a classic clickbait title. Because because right now, I'm not reading this. I'm quickly scrolling the thing up and saying, what was the one thing they didn't do? Tell yeah. me. <laughs> um, so <laughs> so, so now, now, listeners, viewers, I'm, I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to jump straight into it. What do you think that one thing could be? So if, say like someone comes in, they're like, you know, it's like the old days, like, oh, you, you paid off the mafia with fake money like you know or, or like the top strip was real money and then underneath it was just paper <laughs> and then they came back again <laughs> it, it reads like one of those yeah you know um i'm gonna guess they they didn't do their due diligence afterwards one of the things i talk about in all my ransomware presentations is um when it comes to the machines that were infected nuke them from orbit it's the only way to be sure 
Um, and, and so I'm guessing it has something to do with that. Yeah, that's a line from that really, really old film, isn't it? Alien. Yes, yes. Really, really old, but still a classic. <laughs> I was quoting Peter Parker from... Uh, anyway. Ah, yes. Uh, anyway, I know you're not up to date with the pop culture references. Anyway, yes, the, the company got hit. Uh, and this is taken from a, a post on NCSC. And they didn't go into the details. So, you know, it, it, we're, we're light on details, but this is the story. A company got hit by ransomware and they paid about 6.5 million uh, to uh, pounds, I believe, to get the the money back, uh, the data back. And then they were like, okay, job done. And what they refused to, or what they didn't do is conduct a root cause analysis as to how the ransomware got in in the first place or do any investigation, like, like Eric, you said, like, you know, um, is there any back doors? Do they have any persistence or, or not? So after paying the money, the, the criminals went off, and then a few weeks later, they came back and encrypted all of the information again. And the company felt like they had no choice but to pay up once more. There's a couple things wrong with this, man. For, first of all, the fact that they ended up with the persistence like that, and, and we know that the attackers try to do that, but that's why it's so critical to figure out how did this start? What did they do while they were in? Did they create new user accounts? Did they you know, open back doors? Did they drop remote access Trojans out there? That is a key thing right there. So that's one big ow gotcha on that. The second one though is they didn't fix the reason they couldn't restore from the first time they got ransomware. So. Here they are again going, oh, look, um, you know, for whatever reason, this didn't work again. Our backups still didn't work. Dude, when you're talking about six and a half million pounds, which is like, what, 10 million or, or something like that U.S., um, something like 150 million Canadian. I don't know. So I'm making this up, right? Uh, but when you're talking about that kind of money, how did you not get to not only the root cause of how did they get in, but why couldn't we fix ourselves last time yeah yeah it's uh it's like i was gonna use an analogy there but it was a really bad analogy and for for one of the few times in my life i self-censored so uh, <laughs> you, you you you've been saved today anyway i'm gonna skip the next one because i don't know enough about that but uh we <laughs> We, we, we spoke about this uh, just before the show. Greek police introduce live facial recognition. Now, uh, facial recognition is always a, a weird one to go by, um, especially for people of uh, certain skin tones or features. Um, and then we also know that the police in any country are not the sharpest you know, knives in the, in the drawer. May, may, and uh, Greek police, infamous for siestas and uh, more concerned with looking good than actually stopping crime. Um, you know, they give them live facial recognition uh, so, so they can carry out real time. Uh, and so that was the headline, but it's not all. It's real time facial recognition and fingerprint identification while out on the beat. Uh, this feels all kinds of wrong to me. What about you, Eric? 
Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, the idea here is they're equipping them with these tools that can do facial recognition and fingerprint ID for people that don't have ID on them, right? So like, uh, you know, you get stopped in a traffic stop, you're like, oh, I don't have any identification, right? It happens, they look it up by your driver's license here or, or things like that. But the idea here is now that um, they can have this facial recognition software that instead of having to take them downtown, if you will, and get them, you know, processed and figure out who they are, now they can just do it right there. Well, the problem with facial ID recognition software, as we've seen, if you look, there's a story about California and a bunch of legislatures um, that they ended up running their pictures through there and they like 26 of them got tagged as felons, right? It's wrong so often. And it is absolutely biased. Uh, we have not gotten to the point that there is not bias for race and skin tone and, and, and you know, features like you mentioned. Um, it's just not there to where you have law enforcement using it to potentially conduct a law enforcement action. And so it, it just concerns me the more we see facial recognition going on and the fact that facial recognition is getting to the point that you don't have to stop somebody and hold them up in front of them. You know, there's things that can happen as you walk by. It's kind of like those police uh, scanners for license plates that as they're driving by, the cars are just pulling in license plate numbers all over the place. Um, that kind of stuff all bothers me. And this is no exception to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not really a big fan of this stuff at all. And and uh, the, the problem with that kind of stuff where, where it's automated and you're pulling it up, there's no probable cause to stop or search or, or what have you. So at least when you're stopping someone and you you, you have to have probable cause and you, you ask for their ID and they produce the ID or, or not, this way you can just be scanning faces at random and just, you know, whoever you want, whenever you want. And that creates a big, big issue because, the, again, the problem isn't so much that the data is used by for law enforcement, but we know how this data is misused by being shared by third parties and sold on and marketing and so some big court will say, hey, we'll provide this all, all of this tech for free to you, police officers, if in exchange, you know, we, we, we get something out of it. So it's, uh, I mean, it it's not that I'm, it's, I, I'm completely anti all, all things technology and face, facial recognition. I just don't think as societies, we have got the maturity or the legislation or, or the, uh, the, the technical ethics built in place to be effective. Hey, I'm from America, right? Freedom, right? Personal freedom, right? Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I just don't think we're there um, technically to make it work. I, I just have to laugh. Someone's saying, talking about freedom, freedom, while while sandwiched in between two walls, like you know, <laughs> inches away from your shoulders on either side, and claiming it's a <laughs> It's the bat cave. Even Bin Laden had a more luxurious cave than you did. <laughs> yeah, we can fit like one and a half people in here if we try real hard. It, so, so that one and a half Americans, that would be about five Europeans, then, yeah. <sighs> Yeah. And on that bombshell, <laughs> do you uh, have any parting words? Yeah. I okay. Uh, he didn't sound like Eric had anything to say of value. So thank you very much for joining us and stay secure, my friends.